0: Good morning, Christ Church. Good morning. Good morning. That's all right. You don't have to say it to me. It's, uh, <laughs> it's good to see you today. I hope you're enjoying the heat wave. The temp is double what it was last week. I call that a heat wave. Uh, but it's good to be with you. Um, wasn't it fun to have Doc out here last Sunday? Our lead pastor? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a good time, and man, I'm really—it's uh, been such a blessing to just have um, such a good man as our lead pastor, you know, who's so committed to our church, to God, to the Scriptures. Um, and I've learned so much from that guy, and I'm just so grateful for him. And thanks for welcoming him and encouraging him. Um, it was—it was a good day. Well, today I got a, a special sermon for you. Are you excited? Yeah, I feel like, man, there's just like, this is a spiritually robust group here, you know? This is a a spiritually high-speed people here in the audience. And I bet online, too, I just can't see you, but I believe that about you. Um, But I want to share with you from Psalm 119, but before we do, let's pray. Father, we love you, we thank you, we pray, God, that you would guide us Help us, Lord, this year to stir our passion for you, for your word and for your ways. Help us, Lord, just to build new habits, new disciplines that draw us near you and that shape our life. I thank you for these good people. Thank you for open hearts. And I pray you'd renew our minds today. We ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we all know that words are very powerful things, aren't they? You know, you you can come in here today and you can carry scars from words that someone spoke to you 20 or 30 years ago, right? That's how powerful words are. You can also carry, you know, blessings and and strength uh, from words that someone spoke to you a, a long time ago. Words are, they're powerful things. And do you ever, you know, maybe like start your year and you're like, you know what, I'm going to try and be more careful with my words? You ever have that impulse? I do every year, uh, still trying to work on it. Um, You know, say wrong thing. Yeah, you don't need to laugh at that that much, whoever was (laughs) back there cracking up. Uh, (laughs) They're powerful things. One of my favorite examples is Edward Murrow. He was a, a journalist in America when Great Britain was under attack from Nazi Germany, and they did not have the manpower, the resources. uh, It it looked like they were going to get, um, uh, you know, taken over. Uh, And he said this about Winston Churchill. He said, Winston Churchill, during that time, he mobilized the English language, and he sent it into battle. I thought that was a great quote. But what he meant was that they, they didn't have anything to fight with, so he fought with words. And he stirred the people's unity and their desire and their resolve. And because of that, they were able to make it out of that time and eventually join forces with the U.S. and and get through it. But but that's how powerful words are. He said that the the battle was won uh, through words. And, And we all know that the power of the wrong word in our life the power of the right word in our life, but today I want to talk about the power of God's words in our life. And I want to talk about deepening our relationship with God's words. Now, if you're a follower of Christ today, one of the, the defining things about following Christ is that, that we, we are people of a book. And this kind of might, might seem weird to some of us, but but. When we read the pages of Scripture, what Christians believe is that we're not just reading, you know, ink on pages, but we are seeing and understanding and learning about God's revelation, God showing us who he is and what he's about. And so when when followers of Christ come to this book, it's not just like any other book to a follower of Christ. It's not just like, you know, some great work of literature or Shakespeare or anything like that. But, but it's actually God speaking to his people. And I want to talk about deepening our relationship with the scripture. Now, today, if you're not a follower of Christ, but you're here because you're exploring faith, you're trying to determine what you believe, this is still relevant to you. Because here's the, the thing I would encourage you. Don't just listen to what other people have to say about the Bible, but read it yourself. If you're in a place today and you're watching online and you're like, I'm trying to figure out what I believe. I'm trying to see if, if, who God is, if I believe in him. You know, one of the best ways to do that is to begin to read the scripture for yourself. Hey, it's great to listen to other people talk about it and it's great to learn from others, but there's something so powerful when you engage in it yourself. And if you are a follower of Christ today, then then you know the power of God's word. And and I want to encourage you to deepen your relationship with it. And that's going to look different for all of us because we're all on a different journey. But I want to encourage us to, to go one layer deeper this year into understanding it, reading it, thinking about it, and most importantly, applying it to our lives. That sound good to you, church? Give me just a, a mediocre amen if you're with me today. <laughs> I'll, keep my, I'll keep my standards low this morning here. Uh, but Psalm 119, and I want to look at verse 9. Now, if you've got a Bible, you can turn there. If not, we'll be on the screens. But Psalm 119, it's the longest psalm in the Bible, uh, in, in the book of Psalms. Uh, it, it's really long, and it's built a little bit differently. It's one big acrostic. And it's organized around the Hebrew alphabet. So there's the first letter letter of the Hebrew alphabet and then eight verses. Second letter and then eight verses all the way to the end. And this is how this psalm is built. So it's kind of cool. It's very unique. But it's all about this idea of connecting to, understanding, learning, and building our lives on God's word. God's ideas. So here's the part I want to look at today. Verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. Or really more simply, by keeping your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. Now, as you're listening to this, you might notice there's a lot of these sort of legal-sounding words. There's statutes, there's uh, rules, um, there's word, we're going to see precepts, there's testimonies. And and all these are words that, that show us a different nuance, a different idea and application of God's word to our lives. With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. Uh, In the ways of your testimony, I delight as as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Now, these verses have a lot to teach us today. But I want you to see that they start with a question. Now, as long as Psalm 119 is, and if you have a Bible, it would probably be a couple pages in your Bible. It's a long psalm. As long as it is, that is the only question in it. Isn't that interesting? It's the only question that's put. And it's a really important question. And I think that our life gets better when we ask ourselves better questions. Do you ever pay attention to the questions that go on in your mind? Like, let, let me give you some examples of this. If, if you ever, you know, you ever go through tough times, you're like, oh, why, why, does, this, why does this stuff always happen to me? You ever find yourself kind of there? No, you guys aren't with me today. <laughs> I've, I've thought those things before. Or, you know, but when you, when you start to kind of go down those types of roads, like, oh, man, this never works out for me. My, and you sort of go in that mode. Here, here's what's going to happen. You're, you're totally disempowering yourself. Because you're going to start focusing on everything that's wrong that you could focus on, and you're going to miss everything that's right. Right? Like sometimes some of us, maybe in bad seasons of life, we're going around, and in our head, we're saying, what's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? And guess what? When you focus on that, you just, you fixate on all your imperfections, which all of us have it, but you miss everything that's right about you at the same time. You with me on this? The questions we ask, whether we realize it or not, they really guide our life. Today, maybe you're you're, kind of asking yourself something, what's wrong with my life? That's a, a bad question. And instead say, what's right about my life today? Guess what? Then you begin to see the blessings that you're normally going to take for granted. You begin to see the good things. And, and your whole experience changes. How you feel changes because questions drive us. I was reading someone, they said, they said what, are the que- what are the first questions you ask yourself when you wake up in the morning? And I was like, ooh, mine are not good. It's usually, typically, like, what happened and where am I? <laughs> you know, but in it, it, it sort of like this panic, say, uh, usually there, there's a question of, how is it morning already? Anyone? I just went to sleep. I just ca- and and my tone is not real, you know, elevated in that. I'm I'm discouraged. Or you know, how am I going to get through the day? Right? Those are those are not great questions to start your day. So the author gave a list of of better ones. Here's just some of them. What am I happy about in my life right now? Imagine having the presence of mind in the morning to think about that. (laughs) But it seems like a better question to me. You start attuning to, you know, to the things that you enjoy. It, It would seem to me to set you off on a different foot, right? And he has more. What am I excited about in my life right now? What am I proud about in my life now? But here's my point. The questions going on in our minds, the questions going on in our life are important. And here's what I love about the psalmist. He asks a great question. How can a young person keep their way pure? Now, today, I believe that the Bible is knighting all of us as young people today, okay? Because we can, young, young, youth is a relative thing, isn't it? We're young compared to the solar system, amen? Uh, It's just kind of, what what are we measuring it against here, you know? Uh, So let's just, I'm going to say we're we're all young today. But but I think what the psalmist is kind of accessing here is the psalmist is having one of those moments where he's looking back on his life and he's like, what would I say to a younger version of myself? You ever think about that? I think it's a good thing to think about. Well, if, if I could go back... What would I say? What, what guidance would I ultimately give myself? So he's, he's entering into, I think, some of the, the deepest places of wisdom he can go, saying, how can a young man keep his way pure? Now, when I first read this verse, I would always think about this question in the sense of how can a young person keep themselves out of trouble? That's how it sounded to my ears how can a young person keep themselves pure? And I would think moral purity, you know? Just not getting into trouble, keeping on a good path. But I really think Psalm 119 is about more than that. It's about more than just staying out of trouble. Because you can stay out of trouble and not really get anywhere. You with me on this? That doesn't mean you've lived a great and meaningful life. Well, I didn't get, I never went to jail. I killed it. Well, You know. <laughs> Let's, let's have higher goals than that, you know? I mean, that's a good one. I'm glad that one, glad you checked that off. But, yeah, you know, <laughs> we can aim for more, amen? And, and that's what Psalm 119, it, it's, it's raising our sights. Because here's the other way to think about pure. If something is pure, it, it's typically more valuable, right? If you have gold and it's a higher purity rate, it's more valuable. If you have uh, a diamond of some kind and it's more pure, it's more valuable, Many of us we want to eat pure food, right? You're like if, it, if it's you know I don't want all this weird GMO stuff. You're, you're you're looking for purity because it's more enriching, it's more valuable. And I think this is the sense of this question: How do you live a deeply satisfying life? I think that's the question. How do you how do you live? How do you go about like in a way where? Where you're experiencing life in a satisfying, in a valuable, in an enriching way. This question is not just about staying out of trouble. This question is about experiencing what all of us want here today. right? Because I still have yet to meet that person that's like, Chet, I want an empty life. I'm, I'm too fulfilled right now you got to help me out. I'm too enriched right now. i got too many good things going for me. Uh, can you help me to train wreck all of them? I've not met that person. If you are that person, I'd love to meet you. I think it would be a really interesting conversation. Um, but, but none of us want that, right? We, we want that deeply satisfying life. We, we want uh, our lives to count, to matter. We, I don't think any of us are here because we want to exist We want to focus on the right things, you know, the things that matter. We don't want to get caught in the the traps and live with all kinds of regret. I believe everyone here wants what the psalmist wants. Wants what Psalm 119 is saying, hey, I will show you the way. Now, here's where it gets tricky. We all want the same thing. But there's a lot of different ways we try to get that. And they all, all those ways don't get there. Here's what the psalmist says. And this is actually a radical idea. You, you might think like Psalm 119, oh, those are nice, eloquent words, and it sounds so good. But I'm telling you, if you really bring this into your life, this is a radical idea. He says, here's how you live the deeply satisfying life. You conform your life to God's ways. You you look at your life and you look at what God has spoken, what God has said to his people, and you bridge the gap between what God has said and what your life looks like. And the psalmist says as you bridge that gap, that's the path, that's the way, that's the life of deeper value. You with me on this? Now let me, let me just, for my, I want to really draw out why this is so incredibly radical. And, and I, I want to just share a couple ideas from two big thinkers. One is a guy named Charles Taylor, uh, who I've been reading a lot about. And he talks about how just over the last 500 years, um, how humanity has changed how we see ourselves and how we understand how we connect to the world. And he talks about these changes in these two kind of fancy words, but don't don't worry, they're actually really simple in what they mean. Mimesis and poiesis. And and here's a quote to explain them a little bit. A mimetic view regards the world as having a given order and a given meaning and thus sees human beings as required to discover that meaning and conform themselves to it. So here's here's what Taylor says. He says that Humans, people like you and me, we used to think about the life is having, uh, life is having purpose behind it, that there, there is reality behind it that has been created and made by God. And he said, and so as a human being, the way that we would find our place in life is by trying to plug into the structure and the purpose that is there that there really is purpose, there really is structure, there, there is something sacred and divine and transcendent about life, and we have to connect to it. So that's how we used to think. We said, but now, he said, we think poetically, different. Poiesis, by the way, a contrast, sees the world as so much raw material out of which meaning and purpose can be created by the individual. This, he says, now today, we struggle to find meaning in God, in things bigger than ourselves, and we try to find meaning and purpose in ourselves. He says, but here's the problem. Then life becomes really flat and empty because you and I aren't that big. You with me on this? You, you, you and I, if you like, and, and kind of these ideas, they're, they're really in our way of thinking and our culture. You know, like we kind of say things like, hey, follow your heart. All right, but have you ever tried to do that? Like, my heart, it has no idea what it wants. It wants this one time. It wants this the next time. It wants these things at both times, and you can't have them both. You know what I'm saying? And, like, you try to follow your heart, you're spinning in circles. Amen? Anyone? And you're like, well, what, wh- why, does life, why is life so frustrating? Everybody told me, follow my heart. I'm following it, and I'm, I just hit a brick wall. And, and it becomes very confusing. Well, that's that poetic way. It's saying that, that the meaning that I need comes from within. And if I can just get more connected with what is in here and I can figure, figure it all out, then, then my life will have meaning. What Taylor says is that's a really a new way of thinking. And what Psalm 119 says is that, no, you, your guide is not in here. Your guide is God that do not conform to all the, the things that are rattling around in your own heart and mind because there's good things that rattle around in my heart and mind. But can we be honest? There's a lot of unhealthy things too. And if I just sort of say, well, you know, what I'm thinking or feeling is, is always right, look, I, I try to convince my wife of that all the time, but it doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't really play out. Because you are meant to connect to the deeper transcendent reality of God. Your your life is important, but ultimately it's meant to be part of a bigger eternal story about God. And when we live life where we cut that off, we're like, no, it's just my story. There's no God's story here. All we're doing is lying to ourselves in entering a life of deeper emptiness. You with me on this? Let me illustrate this one more way. Philip Reef, he talks about these kind of understands the self, and he says there's been four different ways throughout history that we understand ourselves as human beings. And here they are. He said it, it first is political, man, and it was kind of the ancient times of Aristotle and Plato. Plato, and he said that that people found purpose and meaning by being connected to the city that they were part of. Political, it comes from the Greek word polis, which means city. So political man means I find my purpose in this external thing called the city. He said then it became religion. Then it was I, I find my purpose in these transcendent realities of religion. He said then it became economic man. I find my purpose and meaning in work. Now think about this for a second. If you were to be able to talk to your grandpa and say, Grandpa, were you happy? Did your job make you happy? They might, your grandpa might be like, say that again, you, right? They're not going to, that might be an odd question to them. Is that, does that sound real? I mean, I'm thinking about my grandpa. He, I think he would laugh. Um, but, but what might they say? They might say, well, it allowed me to provide for my family. Right, They kind of might go that way, that, well, did I like it or not like it? Like, that doesn't matter. It provided for my family. And that's economic, man. But, but we think different than that. If you, if you were to ask someone here in this room about their job or you were to be asked, we wouldn't maybe say quite that same line of thinking. We'd say, well, I like this part because it's fulfilling and meaningful to me, but or you know I don't like this because it's not fulfilling. I mean, but but we would think about it much more psychologically. You with me on this? We we would think about how it impacts our inner sense of happiness, and that would be maybe the primary filter we would think about. Here's what Reef is saying. He's saying that's psychological. That that so so what we do is we understand the world by turning inward. And then we try as much as we have control, which is not very much, to try to get the external world to match up with our inward sense of well-being and happiness, and becomes a very difficult thing. See, my kids don't care about my internal sense of well-being. <laughs> they don't care. I try, I'd be like, kids, look, dad's tired dad's crabby dad ain't got time for this church they don't care you're hurting my psychological self they don't care and have you ever noticed quite in fact like not as many people care as you want them to you know and you're like what the heck you know and then and then you go out to the world and and the world doesn't they don't bow to it either and then we get all frustrated, we're all worked up, but, but, but here's what I think is so radical about this, that the scripture's saying, hey, the deeply satisfying life, it's not found in here, and it's not found by getting everything out here to align with what's going on in here. You'll drive yourself crazy trying to do that. You'll, you'll, you'll spin your wheels for the whole life, it says, no, no, the way that we find this deep satisfaction is by taking what's in here and conforming it to God's ideas. I'm saying, I'm not, my, my primary filter in life is not going to be, does this make me happy or not? My primary filter is going to be, does this honor God or not? You see the difference? My primary filter is, does this feel good or not feel good? Because you all know, sometimes the right thing doesn't feel good. It's a hard thing, but it aligns with God. You with me on this? It conforms to God. And when I conform to God, I'm stepping outside of the small world of the cramped self, and I'm stepping into the bigger story of God. And your soul's like, I can breathe again. Your soul's like, this is fresh air and sunshine. I thought I was living cramped up in the corner, but now I realize this is actually living. And this is what Psalm 119 is inviting us into. And so let me just talk about a couple ideas from this to encourage us on conforming to God's ways. Now, there's there's a lot uh, in this psalm, so I'm just going to pick out a a couple of these. But, But number one, you see in the psalm that that there's all this legal terminology. And I just want to point out that the psalmist sees God's ways as authoritative and wise. That what God speaks is not just a good recommendation, but it carries authority on their life. That, again, today, if you're a follower of Christ, the words of Jesus aren't optional to us. It's like, all right, Jesus, you know, we can't do the buffet approach. I'll take a little bit of this. I like what you say about prayer. I don't like what you say about forgiveness. I'm going to leave that one behind. I like what you say about God's love for me. I don't like what you say about loving my enemies, so I'm going to leave. No, no. The psalmist says it's all authoritative. It doesn't matter if I like it or not. Look, we would all love to be God's editors, wouldn't we? We'd all be like, all right, Lord, Uh, I did some proofreading. Here's what I think it should say. You don't get that right. And you, trust me, you may think you're competent for it, but you're not. all right? He is wise. He is the authority. And, and here's the truth, and here's what Psalm 119 shows us, is that it's for your good, not for your breakdown. I took our uh, car in recently last week for an oil change, and I went to the counter, and the lady's like, "Well, sir. I got some bad news. I was like, "No, no, you know that's you don't want to hear bad news at the car spot." I said, "Well, uh, you're um, at the mileage that you're at. You should get a new timing belt. It's only today. There's a good deal. It's only thirteen hundred dollars today. <laughs> Would you like to do that? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. No." Uh, But she's like, well, it's it's just preventative maintenance. You know, we we don't know if it's in good shape or bad shape, but, you know, you're at the life in the car where it'll, you should get a change. And all I could think in my broken heart was like, I will take my chances. (laughs) And hence why you can't give me nice things, you know. Um, But but what is that? It's preventative maintenance, right? It's to keep the car from breaking down. What is the law of God in your life? Well, it's preventative maintenance. It's to keep you from breaking down. It's not to destroy you. It's not to break you. But it's actually to give you life. And then the psalmist says, I'm committed to your way. With my whole heart, I seek you. Now today, I want to ask you a question to think about. Have you had enough life experience to know Your way won't cut it. Have have you been through enough pain and difficulty to know your way is not God's way and God's way is better? And church, I think that pain is a great motivator for that. But if you can avoid that pain and just take my word on that for this morning, (laughs) do yourself that favor. Someone says, I'm I'm seeking you because my way is not it. And I, I hope and pray that in your heart and in my heart this year, we, we would have that impulse in our souls. Say, Lord, I want your way this year. I want your way. I've done enough years of my way. I've done enough years trying to tell you what to do. I've done enough years trying to figure it all out on my own. I want your way. Church, I pray you have that heart. I pray that we pray that heart into our system because it'll save us a lot of pain. And then he says, I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Here's what I like about this idea. He said, I'm being proactive in my relationship to your word. Here's what I mean. God will meet you when you're in a ditch. If you're in a ditch, if you're in a tough spot, if you go off the road, God will meet you there, and he'll meet you with grace. He'll meet you with kindness. He'll meet you with help. But do you know what is even better than God meeting you in a ditch? Is inviting God into your plans today and for tomorrow and saying, Lord, I don't want to just have these 911 moments with you. I want you to form my future so that I drive into less ditches that make sense to anyone? That's proactive. I, I, yes, God will meet, man, he's so gracious. He'll, he'll meet us in the ditch. But you know what I would just encourage us today is to say, no, Lord, I'm going to invite you into my life now in a real way. Because calling AAA and hooking up the rope and getting pulled out isn't that much fun. And there's a better way. The psalmist says, I'm storing it up. It's 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 going to protect me in the future. And then he says, teach me your statutes. Have you ever, do you ever have to tell people something a million times? And if it's the person you live with and they're sitting next to you, you don't have to, you can play it cool right now, all right? But do you, do you ever have to tell some of the same thing? Do you enjoy that process? No? <laughs> I'll take that as a no. Do you think there's ever times where people have to tell you something quite a bit? Nah. Nah. Um, what I, sometimes I wonder, what is it like on God's end? Do you ever think about that? We don't have to think about that today. We can move on. But yeah, and, and What does God have to do to get a message through in your life? What, what does God have to do? Like, here's, here's what I like about this idea. I want to be really easy to teach. Like, Lord, you don't need anything fancy to get my attention. We, I don't need a natural disaster. I don't need a, a, a sign in the sky. I want to be quick to hear, quick to learn, and quick to implement. I don't want the Lord to have to kick down the door of my life before I'll finally pay attention to what he's speaking to me. You with me on this, church? It is, it is to our benefit to be more teachable. And the psalmist says, Lord, teach me. I want to be teachable. And I think that's a great prayer to pray this year. Lord, make me teachable. I don't want to keep circling the same mountain with God. You know, you can live your Christian life and one year can bleed into another year, another year. And you have not gone up the mountain at all. You've just gone in circles at the base of it. And the Lord is like, we got to keep going in circles because I'm trying to teach you. I'm trying to show you. And there's a better way, but, but we got to keep staying in this spot until we can learn and grow and move on. You with me? I've done enough circling in my life. I'd rather move up. And move forward. It says, teach me your way. And then the psalmist has all these different ideas about uh, meditating and speaking and consuming and talking about God's words. And In other words, kind of what he's doing is he's, he's just getting it into his system. He's binging on it. Now, we know how to binge on Netflix. We know how to binge on Hulu. We know how to binge on social media. We know how to binge on all kinds of things, uh, but how much space in our life do we give to God's ideas? What a better thing to be consumed with. Amen, church? What what goes in our system, it does affect us. It does shape us in good ways or bad. Yeah, you watch a bunch of garbage on TV, you can see it affect your attitude or your mindset what you're attuned to, right? This is, this is how we're wired. And if you feed your system with the eternal realities of God, good stuff comes out of that. And it shapes us and changes us. Here's my challenge to you today. If you've never um, read the scriptures for yourself, I want to encourage you to start that this year. You still got some New Year juju in your system? so like, oh, I'm Mary healthy this year, you know? Right, We're not to February yet. There's still some, some fire in you. I want to encourage you. There, there's so many um, different plans, or just even start with like, I'm going to read one line of Psalm 119 a day. Start there. Start small. Make it easy. Build the habit. Don't be like, I'm going to start in Genesis and read all the way through. Uh, don't do that. No. <laughs> Set yourself up for success. Uh, you don't even worry about Genesis you know, until that habit is firm and built and strong. Start in the Psalms. Uh, keep it easy, but, but, but build in your life. If that's not part of your rhythm and you're a follower of Christ, I'm going to encourage you to do that. If that is part of your life, then I want you to think, how do I take it one step deeper? Maybe maybe I need to to study a little bit more. Maybe I need to, you know, um, get in a group, ask some questions. Maybe I need to to memorize some. Um, But whatever the answer is, figure out what does it look like to take it deeper and to grow that relationship. Because here's what Psalm 119 is showing us. There is a better life. There is a better way. But it's by knowing God's way and conforming to it. And church, here's the beautiful thing. In John's gospel, the author begins, and he says, verse 1, he says, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God. And we've seen that glory, and it come, and it dwelt among us, and it was full of grace and truth. Here's what I want you to know. Today, when you dig into Scripture, here's why it's so powerful. Because all of the scripture, as we understand it, as we see it, as we learn it, you know what it'll do? It will help us to see Christ more and more clearly. It will help us to know him. It will help us to be pulled into his glory, into his goodness, into his love, and we'll see in greater ways the blessing and the majesty of who he is. And then it becomes the delight that Psalm 119 talks about. It becomes a place where we understand God's heart and God's love and God's grace to us in deeper ways. Let's pray. Father, we pray that you would just shape our hearts towards you. Father, our hearts are filled with all different kinds of desires, all different types of thoughts and emotions and all these kinds of things. And I pray, Lord, today that we would be less interdirected and more directed by your word. I pray it could become a filter for us. I pray it could become a guide for us. I pray it could become a lens through which we see and understand the world and ourselves. I pray, Father, that we could find the delight that David talks about that it could become nourishing, it could be life-giving, it could be a blessing, it could be strengthening. Help us in all this, and most importantly, help us to see Christ more clearly in it. We ask this in his name. Amen.